0: like i can see and hear you which is a good start okay i've pressed the go live button just waiting for confirmation we're live once i have that we will officially be live can you hear my zen music in the background you're not supposed to be able to hear it
1: i can't no Perfect. can you hear my dog whining
0: no 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 i can't hear that either so
1: really interrupt
0: we're good on both scores ladies and gentlemen we are officially live we're live It's happened. The time is five minutes past one. Thank you for joining us. Um, My special guest today, Dr. Claire Craig. Claire, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you ever so much for having me, Alistair.
0: Yay! Honestly, you're such a highly requested guest on here. Um, Just before we get into this, just for people that don't know who you are and what you do, just give us a brief outline of um, heart the organisation that you're co-chair of, that's right, who they are, what they do.
1: Okay, so so, um, Heart was set up in January 21, when we had a series of people who were highly qualified, who were asking challenging questions and questioning policy, and being picked out as being lone wolves or outliers and just dismissed on that basis. And so we came together so that we could speak as a body of professionals, so we've got doctors, scientists, other academics. It's very multidisciplinary, actually. And for two years, we've been writing about COVID, producing a weekly bulletin that gets sent to people's email boxes. We've got a website, and and we're all we've all just been speaking about science. And, and actually, when you look back at what we've been saying for two years, it holds up really well.
0: Right. When when did you guys first realize? that this organization was needed? When did you first get wind of like, something's a little bit strange with what's going on? How did you all come together? Like what happened?
1: So um, obviously it was a different process for different people. So right. I can speak for myself and say that um, I was scared in spring 2020. Um, and I, I mean, I to the extent that I believed the Chinese videos of people falling over, right? I, I, was,
0: I was <laughs> Do you remember those?
1: I do. I'm very embarrassed. I took. I just believed them.
0: Um, You've never seen one of them, have you? In like Marks and Spencers or something. Someone like I've got COVID.
1: Like going down.
0: (laughs) But but they just erased them from people's memories. Just pretended like they never said that happened. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Sorry. Go
1: on. No, it's fine. Um, And um, and so it wasn't long after that when there was a bit of data that I thought, okay, actually, I don't need to be scared for me but I was still scared for my parents and I was still scared for the healthcare system collapsing. You know, there were other reasons to be scared. It felt like, and so I was busy. I had four children, I was working full time and I just kind of, um, you know, had the news in the background, believed it all (laughs) and and, and just carried on. And so it wasn't until um, May, 2020, when um, during lockdown that job ended so then i had a bit more time but i had four children who needed homeschooling so it wasn't like i had time time yeah. and then they went back to school and that's when things changed so it was sort of oh, yeah. summer for the daytime and then september i had time to actually think and when i started thinking um i got really concerned about my area of expertise which is testing and diagnostics and i thought well they're doing it wrong and um <laughs> and and i kind of <laughs> sort of thought, well, you know, maybe I'm wrong. So I started digging into the data to say, well, if, so what I was worried about was that they were over-diagnosing. And I thought, well, if in the summer, the little trickle of cases and deaths that we were seeing at a sort of constant percentage of the tests done, if they were erroneous test results, then those people would have different characteristics to people who'd had COVID in the spring. So if you remember, COVID in the spring killed 60 percent sorry 60 of the deaths were male in this right and there were far more black people on in intensive care and you know so there's a sort of characteristic aspects of it that right. you should still be able to see if it was still the same thing and those characteristics had disappeared so i thought i would better say something about this and my naive utterly naive expectation nice. was that either people would say oh yeah we have better do something about that. Thanks very much, Claire. Or they'd say, <laughs> Oh, no, Claire, we've already thought about that. You're wrong. And here's why. I thought those were the options. And it what turns out. What did you get instead? Was, yeah, there was option three.
0: What was that? <laughs> uh,
1: so that was um, being thoroughly attacked from every side. Um, and it was a very... On what basis
0: were the attacks?
1: Um, so there were tr- attempts to discredit me from the outset. Of course. Um, I was going to ask you
0: about that, because whenever someone like me questions it, the first thing they say is, well, you're not a doctor. (laughs) With you, they've got a problem there, because you are, in fact, a doctor. So what do they come up with?
1: Well, I wasn't an epidemiologist. They still use that. Of course, of course,
0: (laughs) of course, of course.
1: Um, Because, of course, epidemiologists know more about diagnostic testing than consultants in diagnostics.
0: What you say, okay. Um,
1: yeah. So they they use that, and then they also use the fact that um, I wasn't working, so I was right. an unemployed pathologist. You see, you know, who, what kind of a pathologist is unemployed in a pandemic? So right. that, that was used. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, well, um, as soon yeah, as you and, and then you end up saying
2: sorry,
0: there might be something wrong. You end up unemployed anyway. So that was that was mm. coming, if you know what I mean.
1: Okay. Yeah, I think that was a part of it, you know, because. I had left the NHS in terms of my career in 2015 and I hadn't kind of abandoned the idea of going back but I'd done other things in medicine that didn't rely on the NHS as an employer and so I kind of felt like I was freer than other doctors and therefore had a duty to speak where other people couldn't, which I don't know how naive, I mean, all of it was a bit naive, really, for me. People keep telling me how brave I was, putting my head above the parapet. I was brave keeping it there. I'll take that.
0: (laughs) You had no idea what was actually happening before you got involved, clearly.
1: No, and it was what was very odd about it was this sort of feeling of entering Narnia in that people contacted me and said, welcome to our team. We've been talking about this for months and we've got all of these other issues that you haven't heard of that are going on. And it was quite overwhelming because there were lots of people who were apparently experts in their niche area, but of course I didn't know about their niche area. So I felt like I had to go back to first principles and sort of you know test all of these ideas individually for how valid they could be. which was quite
0: hard work. <laughs> oh, stay in your own lane, Claire. You can't, there's so much going on. Like, you know, like you say, going into Narnia, there are so many rabbit holes that you can go down. And for me, the key thing is once I realised that, hang on a minute, the National Health Service is out here and they are pushing stuff on pregnant women, on children that I believe to be poisonous, po- poison, you know, You know. It, to go to an extreme. You know, I think pushing this stuff on pregnant women is just crazy it's 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 got to be for me i go as far as evil is what i think that that we're up against here because i was going to ask you this question like how much of what we're looking at can we prescribe to oopsie daisy You, you know what i'm saying how much of this can possibly be oh whoops and and at what point i mean have you reached the point where you're like okay someone's doing something on purpose here or is it could this just be one great big mistake or not
1: so let me pick you up on the poison Fine. thing first, because Fine. Um, all drugs in. are poisons. And so from that respect, it's okay. true, you know, every drug is, is potentially poisonous depending on the dosage and the situation you're using it in. So you're nice. not wrong to use that term, but there might be situations where it could, you know, have been beneficial. Fine. And so we've got to be careful with that term. And then with the pregnant women, I think the key point is. That you don't, don't know. risk things in pregnancy when you don't know, and yes. so even if they could prove that it was going to save lives, even then you don't risk it. It's not. Oh it's God. not. It's not only about could it have saved a life. It's about what that might mean for an unborn child, and you, yes. you don't risk it. Um, in terms of the mistake thing, I have definitely had. I definitely have periods of time when my mood makes me think completely differently about the situation there are some days when you can sort of be negative and and think that um everything's planned and organized and you know and evil and other days when you think humans are so crap we are so (laughs) they as a group and and the thing is i mean it's that um hannah ardent thing isn't it on the banality of evil Mm. that actually you can see how all sorts of things that happened in a individually benign way so things like if you set up a civil service system that is like a runaway train where its destination is get everyone vaccinated right. and when setting that up you forgot to put any brakes on that train
2: right. and there was
1: no consideration about how to slow it down or pause it or aim it in the right direction you just bang out it goes then sure. how do you bring it back in you know, it's, you can see how that could happen without... I,
0: yeah, I would go along with that. And I, I personally have never met anyone in the NHS or anywhere that I consider to be part of some evil conspiracy and they're deliberately harming. I've not met one person that that is like mm-hmm. that. But like you say, with a bureaucracy, and once it's set up and these people truly believe, they truly believe that I'm helping people and I need to, you know... For starters, get as much of this into as many people as I can. And also, I need to crush any dissenting voice as though they are actively harming people. And, you know, I'm 100% with you on that. I do not think that, you know, the the majority of people, but on the flip side of that, the amount of nurses that would come to my stand-up shows or they would reach out to me and they'd be like, please keep going. Please keep going. We can't say anything. We'll lose our job you know, and we're desperate to say something. And I just think, what is that about? Why? It's so
1: wrong, it's so wrong. Right. And, and obviously I've had the same, I've had tons of people, um, you know, loads of doctors and nurses and other people who thank me for what I'm doing and ask me to keep going and tell me stories to share with other people and won't speak. And um, I mean, I get it, right? I mean, a, a lot of the time I think, like, I can understand... Where they are, because I could have been there myself. You know, I could see how when you're in that structure, it's it is potentially career destroying to speak. Um, and likewise I can also see myself in a sort of parallel life where I hadn't come up for air to think. Where I'd have been, you know, quadruple jabbed by now, because I would just be flow going with the flow and not yeah. not, not finding the time to read.
0: Well, I think you went in the right direction to be honest. like w- would you change it if you could go back could you, if you no could but i would have yourself. a
1: holiday alistair i honestly <laughs> when people say that, would you be blue pilled i would so have a week of blue pill just you know just <laughs> <don't>...
0: <laughs> you
1: can still have one
0: now claire you can still switch off for a week go to the forest
1: you know what i mean i mean i do i do try to use nature a lot actually to kind of keep myself sane um i don't know what you mean i need yeah without that i would have lost
0: it i mean this is what i'm saying to you it's when i say you can go down different rabbit holes it's very important to to not do that and start to get carried away you know people approach me with all kinds of things and they're just like look at this look at this it's like do you I, i don't want to investigate that i don't want to know if you know there's poison in this or there's poison in that it's like look let me just let me just stay in my lane and, yeah. You know, yeah. there's enough for me to be concerned about, and someone else will yeah. sort of, you know, take control of that. Um, but but before COVID nineteen, let's say, I'm assuming that you had no qualms with with anything. You thought the world was on the on the right path. Everything was fine, right? It's actually COVID nineteen that made you go. Hang on a minute. Something's oh,
1: exactly. And what's more. I was such a compliant person like deep down I'm a really goody two-shoes that stuns me (laughs) really oh no I was was always rule obeyer. I was head girl at school my 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 little sister wouldn't tell me she got my best friend to let her in through the window because she didn't want me to know because she thought she'd you know get into trouble with me (laughs) I just yeah yeah I'm really completely compliant person And um, yeah, there's no, I've never been a rebel at all. This is not for me at all about being a rebel. It's about following what the evidence has taught me.
0: Fine. But I think we're in a sort of a a good position in a way that, like you say, you're not a rebel. Um, I don't think that I was either. But if you look at, let's say, for example, in, in the Netherlands where you've got farmers that are out there protesting the government because they're not being allowed to farm. You know, generations of farmers. So they're trying to have such control over our lives anywhere that you're going to reach the point where you've just got a farmer. He just wants to grow peas. And all of a sudden, he's in the, you know, in the capital city on a, on a protest because, you know, this, the, the control that is being sought over all of our lives. I mean, I saw you on TV saying, look, I mean, this is down to, we want control over what goes into our own body. I mean, if we're not allowed to have control over that, then we don't have anything, right?
1: That's right. right.
0: So you don't have a...
1: Sorry, go on. Well, I mean, that's one thing that I think really needs emphasising. And we always get so lost in conversations about how safe, how effective. It's Mm. not about that. It's about informed consent and about bodily autonomy. And those are foundational medical principles that have just been utterly ignored and stamped on. And if you don't have, as you say, if you don't have bodily autonomy, what power do you have? You know, we give up power for good reason. We give up our power to government and to local government and to our communities and to our friends. You know, we all moderate our behavior in order to have those relationships and have society work. But if you give up power over your body you've
0: lost it all right i mean i like to tell people we're discussing the, the covid vaccination for example and it's like listen whatever you think about this vaccine so you might think that this vaccine is safe but the principle that you're giving up here when you say we can force people to take it what if in the future they come up with a new vaccine that you don't want to take okay and you're going to be forced to take it so regardless of what you think about this one Can you see the precedent that's being set here where you no longer get to decide what goes into your body? And what I also tell people is, like, you you think I want the government to be in charge of my immune system. Like, show me something the government runs that got better. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, I tell people, go into a public toilet, sniff around, you know, let me know if this public toilet's going well. You know what I mean? (laughs) what do you think is more complex my immune system or a public toilet why would I let you in charge of my immune system like are you are you are you crazy and also people say you gotta you gotta trust the science okay you gotta go with the science but and I'm fine to do that but someone like you who's presenting what I consider to be real science you know who's saying hey the science you've, you've shown to us it doesn't make sense for this reason for that reason for this reason and then you're banned from YouTube you know, it's like, well, this isn't trust the science. What you're saying is do what the person in the lab coat says. Yeah. You know? That's not science. Science is an experiment that I can repeat and get the same result as you. You know? Yeah. And they don't let people like you talk.
1: No. That and- isn't science well absolutely it's not science and so science the word science is being abused to suggest it's a body of knowledge and you know we know this stuff and we're the sort of high priests of this information that you can't then question um whereas actually the word science is referring to the method of it's actually science is really about being willing to be wrong the whole of the basis of science is the idea that you'll have a hypothesis and you will try to prove it wrong and if you prove it wrong you've progressed and then you can learn something and then you go on to the next stage so it's all about being wrong and the trouble is that of course politics is all about being right like you can't have people you know undermine undermine you present a narrative you, and you put everything behind it regardless and you go for it and so the two do not mix they cannot mix and when you see you know we've seen a very good illustration of why that doesn't work now but actually if you go back through history the last good illustration for me of when it didn't work was with germ theory right so 150 years ago there was a smaller group a minority group of scientists who'd got their microscopes so that were relatively new then and had found bacteria and things and had worked out that it was actually bacteria that were the infectious agent for a lot of diseases and they were trying to be hurt, and they struggled really hard to be hurt. And when that happened, they started to become purists about it. So they were fighting with people who believed in miasma theory, which is that theory that bad smells spread disease. And so the germ theorists dug their heels in so much that they started to say that only close contact spread was responsible for infectious disease transmission which is not true. It's right. simply not true. And 150 years later, it's that kind of, we're still suffering from that argument because they had to dig their heels in and become purists. And it's actually much more nuanced than that. So sure, you know, when you're close up to someone, you, you're going to be exposed more. Right. But there's really good evidence that for influenza and for COVID and for other respiratory viruses, it spreads through the air and can go long distances through the air. Um, and, yeah, so the politics of... When politics gets into science, it can cause harm for 150 years.
0: Right. I, I saw your PowerPoint on this. I think you were speaking maybe in Portugal or something about mm-hmm. about the wet Right. And one of the things I found really interesting was when you said, look, the scientists proved this. I think it was the thing you're talking about. And somebody accidentally logged it into the system as the opposite. And yeah. for 150 years. But, but what I'm asking you is, how can this possibly be? An you really believe that's an accident? Like what an accident!
1: It's a, like, you know it's what I mean. An amazing accident. So, the, what there's two things about it that's amazing. One is that it happened. The yeah. other is when people pointed out it had happened, mm. nothing
0: happened. That's what makes me think um, it's not an accident. Yeah, that, you so, should be like, oh my gosh, let's yeah, change this yeah. immediately. Not like yeah. a hundred and fifty years legal battle. That makes me go, okay, something's now rotten. You know? Yeah.
1: So let me explain what the story was. So the the story was all around what size of droplets coming out of your nose and mouth when you're breathing mm. fall to the ground within a short distance, um, and the 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 num the cutoff for the size is 100 microns which is basically just when you're no longer visible to the human eye. So anything visible is gonna to fall to the ground. Anything right. invisible does something that's kind of slightly mind blowing, which is it evaporates really, really quickly. So it quickly becomes much, much smaller. And when you're really, really small, you can be suspended in the effort hours and hours, about hours, days even. Um, so it's this like, really important dichotomy. It's either just falling away and causing no harm or it's there forever.
2: Right. And
1: the mistake happened, the mistake that was made was thinking it wasn't 100 microns that caused everything to just fall to the ground. So they were assuming that all of these tiny things where most of viruses were all just plummeting to earth really rapidly in a way that's actually quite hard to imagine if you you know, if you kind of are familiar with tiny sizes, you think, well, that's ridiculous. Um, And that happened because um, the people who first showed that these aerosols could be suspended in the 1930s, were up against people who were frightened of miasma theory still in the 1930s. Mm. And so they their work was basically just not published and never got anywhere, they just said it was all rubbish. And then when the head of the CDC retired in the 70s, I think it was, he in his retirement speech said, look, you know, I got this wrong. This work was really important and it, it was real. So there's this sort of announcement, like right like, now this is true. So we have to put it into textbooks. And when people went to put it into textbooks, they looked up the work of this couple who'd been doing it all. Um, and they found the guy, I have to remember his name, hang on, Wills, it was called Wills. And he had also done a load of work with TB. And for TB, he showed that only the tiny 5 micron droplets or aerosols are small enough to not just disappear when you breathe them in. Because if you breathe stuff in, it's just going to stick to your nose and stick to your airway. And right. the 5 microns are tiny enough, they get right into your lung. And that's oh. it can cause a TB infection. But, of course, it could still cause upper airway infections because it's still getting okay. there, but it can't get down to 5. So they looked up the wrong work. And picked out this five micron number and it was partly a language problem because the Mm. word, um, the word. Oh, um, airborne. It was the word airborne changed its meaning. So now, and for some time, like 20 years, everybody agrees. Airborne means suspended in the air,
2: but prior
1: to that, it had a different meaning. So it could mean, it would mean something infectious suspended in the air. So if it was airborne, it meant you were capable of being infected by it. Gotcha. And so, and that meaning changed and then people used the modern meaning and and pulled out the wrong number.
0: Well, essentially what you were saying, right, is that because these particles are suspended in the air, the idea that you have to be in close contact with someone to spread or catch COVID is, not nonsense but you can be in like a building over here and it can come up on an air thing and get in there and and that's why like a huge percentage of people that they can't trace where they got it from so because it can just spread like through the air everything that we're doing so like the six meters the the six 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 and all that stuff um all of that is well is, is it is it pointless well,
1: or... so it's it's again it's nuanced, right? So right. absolutely mm. you can see chains of transmission where people have caught it because they've been in close contact with people. So Fine. I'm not saying that doesn't exist as a phenomenon, mm. but the point you're making cool. is the right one, which is that if a proportion of it is spread long distance, what does that mm. mean? And it would mean that if you avoided being close up to anyone with COVID by being a hermit, then you are going to be less Still likely to catch it, right.
0: you but
1: if you look at the trajectory, the sort of mass of a wave, what it looks like the ma- is that you see a virus spreading its way through a susceptible population. So at the beginning, it can very easily find someone else that's susceptible, but then it starts to run out of places to jump to. And so it slows down until it peaks, and then it falls away slowly as the last people get found who could possibly gotcha. be infected so people have assumed well the modelers were working on the basis that everyone was susceptible and that we would have this tsunami of course, of, infection. of
0: course yes
1: but actually it looks like only a fraction of the population were susceptible to any one variant and so it works its way through that and everyone else is just a bystander so the chances okay. are for any one variant that you weren't susceptible anyway but if okay. you were susceptible You could avoid it early in the wave by being a hermit, but it's very likely to find you in the end. And for a very small fraction of people, they might get lucky. You know, of course, you might get lucky and just miss it. But I think realistically, when you you look at the numbers of the amount of virus that ill people were emitting every minute, every hour, all through the night, Out of their bedroom windows into the air in the dark, because of course you know there isn't UV light around a lot of the time, especially in winter. Yeah. Um, And when you multiply that up across how many people they think were infected during a wave, the air was full of it. It was just everywhere. And it's people's immune systems that kept them healthy, not not breathing air.
0: Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a general question. How deadly? is this thing i mean obviously that's a very sort of a broad question but i ask this because i get people that there's some people that yell at me and they go alistair covid isn't even a thing you idiot they they rebranded the flu you know it doesn't exist etc etc help me out here like how deadly is this thing is it is it much some people say it's just a common cold relax like what's the truth it's not
1: a common cold it's not a common cold it's worse than a common cold i mean have you had it
0: I mean, I was going to say, I had it and it's like nothing I've ever had for my life. I lost sense of taste and smell for like two weeks and, you know, it was uncomfortable. But what I would say is what most people don't realize is that these um, mRNA experimental inject have been given an emergency use authorization, right? So you can take this if it's an emergency. In order for me to inject something, Claire, that that is only safe, I would need to be turning green. Or you know, like I'm growing another arm. It's like okay, then inject me with the experimental. Not like I've got the sniffles, or I can't taste my spaghetti bolognese for ten days. Yeah. So yeah. having had it, now I'm like, there's no way I would have wanted to. I didn't take the 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 tea or whatever. Oh, you're allowed. To, well, I'm on rumble. I'm allowed to say I didn't take the mRNA uh, injection. And and having had COVID, I mean, I guess I'm you know. Uh, middle-aged guy with no health complications so I can understand why if I'm an 80 year old obese you know I might want to take the 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 emergency use thing but for me yeah I've had it and it was like nothing I've ever experienced before in my life but I'd much rather take my chances with that than with the Pfizer um curveball you know
1: yeah yeah so i mean it is it is an unusual illness it's a bit weird mm. and it lasts fairly a long amount of time and and you can how you know, weird was,
0: claire made in a laboratory weird yeah or naturally would, occurring weird.
1: They made in a laboratory weird Same. Um, i had eyes. some very odd symptoms when i had i had eye pain i couldn't look sideways because my eyes hurt like that's a very unusual symptom to have
0: can i interject here I volunteer at the church cafe on a Thursday, right? This this uh, this lovely old lady comes in and she's one of the people I've worked with. She's got a problem with her eye. And this old lady, she says, oh, I know six people that have had a detached retina that are my friends in the last. And I said, excuse me, is that over the last sort of year, year and a half, two years? Yes. I'm like, oh, and the doctor says to her, no idea why it's going on. And I'm thinking to myself, well, i've got a pretty good idea what's changed in the last two years that could be causing this but and obviously i don't have any proof that anything's doing no. that but there's a lot of stuff going on in the last two years only anecdotally but a lot of people seem to be getting you know very sort of sick in various different yeah. ways
1: I mean, yeah i do feel that we've become a bit of a hypochondriac nation though haven't we interesting and, there's, and a lot of introspection and talk about health all the time which is not good for you it's just not good for you to be constantly fretting about you know counting how many of your friends have had a cancer diagnosis when time's gone on and you've got older and your friends have got older and to an ex you know to some extent sure there are things that people are worrying about that they wouldn't have done in years gone by, you know, right, and and right. and I so I think that is a really unhealthy aspect of it. But of course, there's quite a lot that I'm worried about as well <laughs> with right. all the bad stuff, and <laughs> it's worth keeping an eye on and seeing what the data is showing us. Um, yeah. So in terms of how bad it is, that if you look at how many people died with a COVID-labeled death, the ample, sort of magnitude of those deaths, that wave of death. Is comparable to previous waves of death we've had before for bad influenzas. So right, the, magna- right. the timing was weird, but the magnitude. Why was the timing weird? Well, because it was a spring wave. Normally, you'd see that sort of peak in winter time.
0: Interesting. Okay. Um,
1: so that that was weird, but the actual magnitude is definitely comparable to bad flu seasons we've had in the past. Gotcha. Um, so, but I, I think the flu comparison has its dangers, and one of them is that with influenza, first of all, influenza can be quite nasty, right? Oh, yeah. So people right. sort of say, oh, it's just like the flu, as if that means it, it, it's nothing. But influenza kills people, and it kills young people, and it kills young people who are otherwise healthy. And Not so, that. you know, you have to have an understanding of what that baseline comparison is. But the point is we didn't do anything about influenza because it was sort of nothing you could really do about it, you know? You just, mm. It was one of those things that we just sort of had to, you know, it was bad luck if your immune system wasn't up to what was circulating and, and you were picked off even though you were young. So yeah, influenza can be bad It's what, But influenza didn't keep people on intensive care the way COVID did. So the intensive care numbers were nothing like they feared. But the thing is that COVID patients stayed there a long time. And so that and that filled the ICUs up. And so that, that was more of a problem. God, um, God. Um, so that I think that's quite an important distinction when you're comparing them because people, yeah, as you say, people want to just be, there's no, COVID was nothing. And I, and I see that being like that sort of purity thing from the germ theorists, mm. that they've kind of got these reasons that, that are valid to believe that there were other reasons why people died during those excess death peaks, and there were. Right. And because no one's hearing them say that, they become purists about it and start to say, "Well, that was all of it." Well, it was I wasn't. understand.
0: It's but it's uh, what I find is so. So, for example, the the tests that they use, the the amount of cycles that they put them through, I hear means that there might be a lot of false positives. So, is that something that's true as well? Like you know, the the PCR tests mm-hmm. are they. Are they actually accurate or i think the guy who invented the test and he say you can't use this to detect for a, a virus or is that not true uh
1: that's that's true so he it's said true. that um you know you mustn't use it for diagnosis because all you're right. doing is finding a tiny tiny amount of nucleic acid and that doesn't necessarily so mean how can i
0: trust these the numbers then and the, uh, test uh, is the, flawed.
1: the other guy that's worth hearing from is christian drosten who is right this German virologist who was the sort of top science advisor in Germany throughout the COVID thing, who was churning out tests from his lab by the 11th of January, 2020, Um, or maybe it was the 13th of January. So, you know, he he was Mr. Test. And there was an interview that he did during the MERS epidemic, which is still there online in German, but you can translate it, where he's describing how badly MERS was being diagnosed and how in his words he was saying that any nurse who was looking after these patients and had a virus that was just flitting over her mucosal membrane in her airway momentarily could be called a positive case because of the PCR testing being so sensitive and that clearly she didn't have MERS and and yet he was responsible for setting up covid testing to be as sensitive what a an mm. so and choice
0: another coincidence claire where it's like oh yeah, yeah. you know if i wanted to scare people to death with this thing i guess i would create a test that would say you know everyone's got this right and then i look so, at the way it yeah. works there it yeah, is.
1: yeah so the thing with the testing is that these mistakes have been made before and um people had never really talked about it openly much it, it was just sort of accepted that we had overdiagnosed in the past um with swine flu and with MERS and that you know PCR has that risk and I actually I have no objection to the way testing was set up at the beginning because okay. when you've got something new on the horizon you don't know what's going on um, PCR testing is really quick to adapt. You've got labs that are already doing it. You just basically change out what you're looking for and they're ready to go. So in terms of getting a quick test that's ready to go, PCR is great. Um, it, in terms of what happened in summer 2020, PCR was a disaster because we were over-diagnosing when there wasn't really any COVID around any much anymore at all, practically gone. But during... And I I was very outspoken about the testing in autumn 2020. Right. um, When um, some of the data just wasn't adding up. So we had um, situations where with COVID, the areas that had the most COVID deaths had the most excess deaths. And in autumn 2020, that relationship had gone. There was places of excess deaths that had no COVID and vice versa. I think this is not right anymore. Um, Right. And we had the lateral flow tests, you know, the kind of plastic ones that people do. Yeah. So those were a good way of showing the PCR mistakes up because they work quite well, actually, at picking out who okay. was infectious. Um, anyway, I I probably over-egged it back in autumn 2020. Doesn't sound like and, you. Um, <laughs> well, I think... use the level, correct amount of eggs
2: <laughs> for what
1: you're talking about in well, my experience. I think it's probably the same thing that I was describing to other people, that you get to a point where you're not being heard. You get frustrated. Mm. And you start exaggerating and i think that's what i did and in retrospect I'm guilty of that in retrospect if you look at the people who've got antibodies the pcr testing of symptomatic people during a wave it's all right really It kind of measures it about right okay. and asymptomatic people and when there isn't a wave going on you don't use it it's just not clever to use it but when so the
0: asymptomatic having... thing is that a thing like oh, yeah. is it possible it is a thing
1: Oh, well, okay, the asymptomatic thing is a thing. It is a thing in that people who are about to be infected, um, about to be symptomatic,
2: oh, yeah, have periods
1: yeah. of time when mm. they have, have not quite yet got their symptoms when they're carrying virus and they can infect other people. And that has happened, right? That that yes. is a phenomenon that's real. But the asymptomatic thing, where people never have symptoms, that's a myth, and, right. and it's a myth <laughs> born from the same place as the myth about close contact transmission?
0: Oh no way!
1: Yep. There's Same a central place coming goes. up
0: with all these myths that fit the establishment <laughs> yeah. agenda. Well, I never. How so, shocking! Shocked, Claire.
1: So that when I was telling you about the um, belief in close contact spread, that was mm. all came really from one guy in 1910 called Charles Chapin, who wrote the textbook on public on public health and infectious diseases at the time, and mm. he made some really sweeping statements in it. So he basically wanted to assume that every infectious disease was identical to every other infectious disease. That was his starting point. There was no nuance there. Mm. And he he was a little bit germophobic. I mean, you read his book, he's like really upset about people who touch things that he has to touch because they might have had their saliva on it. Like, okay, this guy's not completely healthy. in his attitude.
0: people we need a little bit of, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like build up your immune system. Like it's good to have a dog because you come into contact with all these different sort of, you know, bacteria or whatever. I'm constantly telling my wife that whenever the dog goes near the baby, I'm like, good for your immune system. Chill out. (laughs) Um, But that's, that's true. Right. And when I see people like rubbing their hands with sanitizer and wearing gloves and giant face shields, I'm like, there is a negative aspect to all this that no one seems to be considering, you know, like we're sort of turning our immune systems off for a large, large, period of time and that's something I wanted to say like I find that I don't know if you find this but people completely switch off their common sense when they're told to do something by somebody in a in a lab coat like like for example I went to um church at my wife's parents house so we're in like Watford and this is sort of not peak COVID but it's it's like January or something okay and there's all these 80 year olds in the building and they've got the windows open in the church in January right and it's like uh you know there's really old people in here like you know they're shivering i'm like surely we're gonna be like killing people it's like where would this end you know what i mean like some some people would like ice bucket challenge like an old person (laughs) if the government told them uh, we got the covid you know what i mean like it's it's people's common sense is just
1: well it's it's uh, people's humanity is gone as well you know that the kind of Mm. isolation of old people and the the way people have been cut off you think well For people in care homes, their average life expectancy is Mm. less than two years. Now, some of them will live many years, but on average, it's less than two years. And if you're telling people in that situation to prioritise sanitation over seeing their loved ones, you've got your priorities wrong. It's just wrong.
0: But when I say evil, okay, when I watch these clips of like, you're not allowed to hug your dad at your mum's funeral, right? Now, that is not... A virus that does that there is no virus that can be responsible for this level of inhumanity and and people enforcing that kind of stuff like that for me is where it crosses the line between okay this is just nasty this is just mean this has got nothing to do with science this is just horrible and and the old people's homes is a, is a great example of that where it's like there's some 80-year-olds or 90-year-olds who are like, listen, I don't care about blah, blah, blah. I, I want to see, I'm only living for my family visits. That's yeah. all I have to live for. I don't care. And not to mention the fact that what happened to most people in all people's terms, or a large portion of them, from, I got personal experience of this, is our elderly relatives were locked away from us. We weren't allowed to see them for the sake of, we've got to stop them dying from COVID. And then they turn around two weeks later and go, oh, guess what? She died from COVID. And it got into the home and blah, blah, blah. And I'm not the only one with stories like that. And
2: mm-hmm.
0: all I know is you you locked my elderly relative up. You didn't let anyone go in there. And then a month later, you just said, oh, yeah, she's dead. COVID got her, you know. And you look at the amount of people that, that um, perished in old people's homes. Um, New York being a great example where the governor actually um, came up with some legislation that forced old people's homes to accept COVID positive patients. Um, you know, I'm unable to prescribe that to, like, whoops. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that one is nuts. Like, if I was trying to assassinate people in an old people's home, what would I do? I think, well, I'd probably force COVID-positive patients into the old people's homes. And, you know, you look at that, and that's exactly what happened. You know, there's there's so many other stuff that I just, I can't explain. I'll, I'll give you an example. When I was watching your video about the um, the science behind um, should we give this to children, Okay. And so many times you were like, and I cannot believe that they did this, and I cannot believe that they did that. And then you would say, and I cannot believe that the regulators went, okay, and signed off on this. It's such a chain of, I can't believe this happened. Surely at some point you have to go, okay, what's going on here?
1: You know what I mean? I I do know what you mean. I do know what you mean. And I have asked that question many times. And... I mean, there's all sorts of aspects of it where you you feel like there's this big missing part of the puzzle that we don't know, right? There's something Mm. we don't know. Oh,
2: yes.
1: (laughs) And um, where was it? I think it was, oh, I can't remember. I think it was somewhere in Europe where people, the politicians were being told they could see the contracts, but only if they signed a secrecy agreement first.
0: Oh, yeah. Some country said they lost it. Some country, oh, we, we can't find it. It's gone. It was in a drawer. We don't know where it is. is like,
1: Israel, yeah. yeah. Right, okay. Sure.
0: You don't have that document.
1: You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And um, and actually, the one of the FOIs to the medical drugs regulator, the MHRA, um, came back with a response saying that the work of regulation wasn't being delegated to them and it was all signed off by the Secretary of State. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. whoa that's not right you know that that you are responsible for that that's and and you can't just obey orders and and tell the public it's safe and effective which they did even though they're responsible for the marketing of drugs you're not allowed to market drugs saying that those that it's safe the word safe's banned from drug marketing normally
0: it is well that's interesting because every time i see you on television it's usually some sort of debate about are these vaccines safe and effective and you usually seem to be, I want to say the voice of reason, but the person who's saying, well, hang on, they might not be because of this or there's, in as simply as as, as you can answer it, are they safe?
1: No, because everything's I knew important. It. We've had that conversation, right? I mean, that's, right. Why, that's why you're not allowed to stay, drugs are yeah. safe. Now, are they safe enough Mm. Is a different question that is answered depending on how much benefit there is for a a person. And we've got data now from the government's own sums on how much benefit they think there is. And it's the the number that you use to calculate that is called the number needed to vaccinate. So they figured out a number of people you would need to inject to Uh stop one intensive care admission for COVID over the course Uh of a year. What, what kind of number would you think it would be? What number would it need to be for you to want to be injected?
0: So how many people they need to vaccinate in order to stop one intensive care? Mm. Like 100,000?
1: Well, no, but you wouldn't want to be injected if it was 100,000, right? No,
0: no, obviously not, yeah.
1: But obviously if it would prevent if it if you needed to inject one person to prevent an intensive care admission you think well maybe i'll take it actually yeah. that choice do i take the risk of the vaccine or the risk of the intensive care admission
0: what is the it's, number
1: it's it's tens of thousands for anyone under the age of 60 and it gets into millions once you're young
0: but we don't do this for the flu do we i mean I know they have a flu vaccine but why all of a sudden is it necessary to vaccinate everyone in the whole country to prevent people from going into intensive care? Uh,
1: I mean it, it yeah.
2: I and put the kind it, of social the, pressure one, on. One people. of
1: the answers to that is about how everybody turned well, not everybody, but the vast majority of people seemed to turn a bit funny in 2021. So in what 2020, all the conversations about vaccines were really sensible, and people mm. talking about, you know, targeting it to people who could both. But most benefit and not having it for children, and how we didn't really know. We had to kind of watch and wait to see what how effective it would really be, and we, you know, there was lots of unknowns, and people were open about the unknowns. Then January twenty twenty one hit, and suddenly people were talking about it like it was the saviour that was going to come. It all hail the vaccine, and and everything was exaggerated, and, and everything was marketing. It turned into a marketing push with lies about how effective it would be, you know, that 100% effective against deaths, um, press release. No one
0: remembers this, Claire. When I tell people, hang on a minute, the first time you told me about this thing, you told me that I had to use it to protect others. And then people said, well, hang on, we sort of proved that it doesn't do that. And it was, oh, we never said it would do that. It's like, isn't that exactly what a vaccine is? They've even changed the definition of vaccine now to to make this thing seem like it's... Yeah. you know, a feasible yeah, the
1: option. Use, the use of the word vaccine was a massive, massive part of this story. The word vaccine is an incredibly powerful word. Everybody, mm. you know, if you ask me, what what do you know about vaccines? You're like, well, modern medical miracle. You know that yeah. that's the kind of brain yeah. connection we have. Is about. that true? What that it's a modern medical miracle. Yeah. Well the idea of a vaccine is a modern miracle medical miracle but you have Certainly. to judge each one on its own merit right you can't sort of just because something's labeled with something doesn't make it a miracle
0: um, i'm not sure i'm not the only one but there's lots of people who are now questioning not just this vaccine it's it's starting to spread to all vaccines because i've seen how hard you've pushed this one on me and i know from my own research that you are being duplicitous the the best case scenario is your accidentally risking my own health but you know it's I'm kind of now looking at okay well what else are you what else are you suggesting I I must have and is that actually bad for me like I remember having a conversation with my friends and we were talking about because I just had a baby at the time and I was saying look I'm I'm double checking what I want to have her vaccinated with and my friend went said don't be an idiot mate get them all you know and I was the moron it's like don't check what they're injecting into your infant mate. Don't be an idiot, just put it in. And it's like, why am I mental for being like, like for example, some of them like hepatitis B or something. I said to the guy, how do you get this? It's like using, having unprotected sex or using needles. It's like, well, she's a month old. So (laughs) you know what I'm saying?
1: like i'm saying i didn't know that we were doing pet peeve for babies that is slightly mad
0: we're, Um we're like these eight in ones where it's like we're going to blast your baby with eight of these horrible things at the same time it's on my general is like no thanks
1: no, yeah. no thank you i mean so the thing is the thing is about other vaccines um there are you know there are situations where i could believe some of them work fine and and You know, having seen how corrupted the evidence is, it becomes really difficult to try to unpick what the evidence really shows. Um, And I have tried to keep myself clear that I'm against this vaccine. Got you. Because we have to win that first, right? You can't, if we start talking about everything, then you lose, you completely lose people. And I've also tried really hard to keep myself as close as I can be to normal well no, whatever that means
0: listen, you know what I mean I just you do such a good job of this okay and and I mean that one of the things that that I think you do really well is um you you're able to say look this is insane without sounding insane you know what I mean like when you say like look the science that's used to say we should give this to children is insane you know and, and it really is but to normal people to even question it is is nuts you, you know
1: what I'm saying I do. we live in a world. Yeah, I'm, I was with some medical school friends at the weekend. And I I find it's like they're still in the different world. You know, we kind of, we sort of mm. fuss over into this. And it, it, for a long time, COVID was a total taboo subject. And they and they've told me off what I'm doing. You know, it's a really tense situation. Yeah. But we talked about it properly for the first time this weekend. Um, and there was still a lot of aggression there. And and what I found fascinating is like, these are people like I was describing that I would have been like, you know, busy with kids working full yeah. time. You know, you don't have time to be reading about it. So you're taking everything on trust and you're outsourcing your thinking. And you don't want someone to tell you that you've made a mistake doing that because then you've got to go and do a load of work. you don't want to go and do a load of work. <laughs> so you're defending the position that you've taken largely because you need to know that you can read the BBC in your lunch break and trust it. Because otherwise, what what are you going to outsource your thinking to? You don't have to do everything from first principles, do you? Um, um, and what fascinated me most actually was how some of the debate was quite um, passionate, but about things they knew nothing about. And you think, well, why you why do you care so much to say the pandemic plan said this? You're like, you know, we haven't read it, have you? You haven't read okay. it because it didn't.
2: But
0: what you're dealing with here is people don't want to live in our world. You know, you said people say, oh, you're in Narnia. No one wants to live in there, Claire. No one wants to live in a world where this injection that's being pushed on them that they might be giving to their children blah, 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 could be really dangerous. Like, no one wants to live in that world, and I don't blame them. No one wants to live in a world where you might not be able to trust the news. Like, my parents grew up on the news. They Everything the news says, you know they go along with. My mum, all she does is watch the news. She's terrified. She's so anxious. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll ask her like, how's it going, mum? And she'll be like, oh, Putin's speech, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, why do you care about Putin's You're 80 years old. Like, Jamal Khashoggi. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, turn off the news, please. Like, you know, it's so damaging.
1: In yeah, my, yeah. Pati-
0: Especially to elderly people. All of a sudden they're getting involved in like Geopolitics. It's like go outside, listen to a bird, sit by a stream. Like you, you know what I mean. Like, I do. I do
1: have got the same situation with my my parents. Really, waking hours declare. almost
0: was just. I'm back. Oh, nice! You got the same yeah. situation I um, was saying
1: yeah yeah just my parents consumed media and were and my mum's anxious and way your mum's anxious and I think I probably consumed well I didn't really consume it much but when I when I was reading much more news than I do now I would be really anxious but actually even though now I'm in a situation where I haven't, you know, I have put everything on the line. I have no idea mm. what tomorrow is going to bring. I've made enemies. I don't have any income and I've got no sort of what? career future. And I'm not anxious. You anymore. don't have any
0: income. Claire, how can people support you?
1: Uh, well, I've got a book coming out. What's it called? It's called Expired. It's called what? Expired, as in. Oh, Breathe it out. You fall down dead, and you have ideas that are out of date that people keep pushing.
0: Listen, I promise you, eighty percent of my audience are going to be buying this. Trust me. You got a you got a nice niche of sales here. People people must be supporting you. They must. They simply must. Like the voice of reason that we need is you on the news. Like when I see you on the news, and you do such a great job. Like my favorite clip of yours is when the guy on GB News asked you, (laughs) I'm sorry, he asked you like, why would anyone in the NHS not want to take this? And you just responded like, what an excellent question. Now, why wouldn't they? And I could see him just going like, oh, he was like, oh, no. Oh no, what have I said? You know what I mean? He tucked himself
1: up. I was so hyped for that interview. It (laughs) felt like treading on eggshells. I just, because I'm not very, I'm no politician, right? Words have never been my game. I'm a numbers person. And so if you're going to be interviewed on a subject where there are things you cannot say, Mm. it's really, really scary. And um, I remember that interview so well. And he followed it up by saying, but come on, if it would save just one life.
2: it was
0: i'm gonna i might have to do a video on it where i just really want to zoom in on his face like after he says it he realizes like oh no like I, i've caught myself here you know it's like you're like well, what an excellent question why wouldn't they want to take it because they're right there in the hospital and they're, they're you know they've got all this information why good good point and i could see him just going like oh no and he's looking to the side he's looking at his notes just like how do i get out of this it's like you can't it was so well done because you didn't even you didn't say anything. You were just like, yeah. I would like invite your viewers to ask themselves the question: Why wouldn't someone that works in a hospital that that watches people take these injections all the time? Why wouldn't they want want to take this? What possible reason could there be, Mr. News Presenter Man? And I think you do such a good job of going on there. You always sound completely sane. You you never get caught into saying something outlandish like i can always see that a lot of the times it's people most people can't see the very subtle ways these people sort of try and trip you up and they try and get you to say you know something leading but you know i think you do a a marvelous job on there um and and often like the one i remember is where there was it was a debate between four people and you were the one of the people saying you know these vaccines might not be that safe and the, the argument that the other guy used was basically like, well, so many people have had these injections, like there's been blah, 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 billions of doses worldwide, and not that much has gone wrong, so they must be all right, right? And my rebuttal to that would be, sir, if I have one of these vaccinations, and my legs stop working, and I walk into the hospital, and I say, my legs stop working, and I think it was the vaccine, what do you think they say? Oh, yes, it must have been. Let's get this into the system. It was definitely the vaccine. No, they say, oh, no, I'm going to possibly the vaccine, bloody, bloody, blah, blah, blah. That's the reason why, you know, there isn't loads of data on people saying something wrong. So, I know people personally. I know one guy, his girlfriend was like semi paralyzed, like a couple of days after. So he goes on Instagram and says, hey, my girlfriend was paralyzed. And he loses his account. You know, he gets like mm-hmm. censored off the internet. Oh. for saying, like, hey, my girlfriend can't walk. It's like, you know, when you see just little anecdotal pieces of evidence like that, you can't not see that something is deeply wrong.
1: You know what I mean? It is, it is. And um, I mean, the thing is that we've, you know, when vaccines have gone wrong in the past, and they have done rarely, mm. but they have done, Then then there's always this awful delay and there's always this sort of chasm between people trying to say this hurt me and people listening and you know we know that that's a problem and yet that's just been played out in spades with, with how this has happened and people have been treated so badly and have you seen those videos where people were taking the mickey out of people with tremors and the tremors no. thing is real the tremors thing is absolutely real and there's a study which shows that the people who've got tremors among the other kind of nervous disorders post-vaccine they have right. got measurable things going on in their vessels. You know, you can see it on You can do it with tests. There's stuff that's changing their body because of the vaccine. So it's absolutely real. But people were sort of pretending that all these people sharing that problem were faking it. Oh. Um, and, yeah, and the thing is about the tremors is that it's visible. So if you've got an injury from a vaccine, of course you're going to be recording your tremor because... Mm. You can see that. Like, how can you not believe me? Look, it's happening to me. Um, but there's all sorts of issues people can't show in the same way.
2: Like,
0: what well, I was at the... Uh, they have this protest in London for people that are vaccine injured, right? So I go to this protest. I'm in the protest. It's great. Everyone's on the sort of same page. So I thought, let me just come outside of the protest and I'm going to just watch, observe how the public are responding to this. Because everyone in the protest is like, this is great. We're really showing people. And I would just say to people, I could see them stopping and looking and I would say, excuse me, what's your impression of this? And they'd just be like, oh my God, I just think it's awful. They would just be like, ugh, like these people are anti-science. You know, there's pictures of dead kids and it's just, ugh. You, you know, one guy booed, this guy was on stage and he was like, you know, I, I got, you know, my arm didn't work after the vaccine. This guy, passerby, walks past. He's like, boo! I'm like, are you sorry? This guy's saying that he's injured after the. How are you booing this guy? You know, like the general public. There's a real disconnect between how people that are that have been injured by the vaccine, how we think people are going to respond, but how people actually respond. There's a there's anger towards people that are saying I'm was injured by this and it just sort of blew my mind
1: where's that come from they're they're blasphemers Alistair (sighs) The vaccine was their saviour and these guys are blaspheming about their saviour
0: well don't get me started on that line Claire don't get me started (laughs) at all on the spiritual uh element that I think I think this has I think I think it's the world is splitting into into two groups of people people that can see what what is going on and people that that refuse to see you know, they, they don't have the eyes to see. They don't have the ears to hear. And when I I, I say, have you noticed how you can't convince some people with data, with stats?
2: Oh, you make sh- people.
0: Right. Yeah. You can't, can you? Because they yeah. don't want to see. They, yeah. they, I don't want, like my dad is one, for example. He doesn't, he stopped talking to me about things. Not because I'm showing him stuff that's nonsense. I'm showing him stuff that he can't get out of. He's like, I, yeah. I, you know what I mean? And they don't want to see that. They no. don't want to you know they're just okay well let's just leave that and you know we'll, we'll park that there um, <laughs> you know what i mean
1: i do i do like for some people i can who i know who don't like numbers they'll see a graph and they'll run a mile and you'll say something that the numbers show and they have the view that politician types can make numbers show anything statisticians can make numbers show anything and they so they just basically don't trust numbers and and so you have to kind of you know that you have to approach it in a different way and so i haven't worked out quite what that way is
0: you're the numbers person
1: (laughs) i'm a numbers person i'm a numbers person with credentials yes and so sometimes just hearing me say it is is more powerful than the number i got you saying it it's oh
0: for sure like sometimes i think with me and you we're coming at the same thing from completely different angles you know what i mean like you're using the science and the data and the etc and i'm trying to just make people laugh at how ridiculous it is but but one thing i have noticed recently i'm going to ask you about where you think we're going i think we have turned something of a corner because what i learned is very quickly if i was to make jokes about the vaccine or, or anything like that, people would immediately pull back and just be like, "Oh no, but, but how I managed to work it in there, I started to tell people, I started to get people to laugh about the fact that you just got vaccinated to go on holiday, right? And people all laugh at that. They're willing to like, once I make the connection between, okay, if I start attacking the fact that the vaccine doesn't work, or it's not that great, without that premise, people pull back and they hate it. But when I get them to laugh about because it's true, yeah. they're all just saying, yeah, I just want to go to Tenerife. And, and now they'll be like, okay, now I'll laugh at the guy that had five COVID vaccines and caught COVID 15 times, you know, because they all think, oh yeah, I know someone like that. Uh, yeah. You know, I do know people. Yeah. So we are sort of, I think, reach, I mean, what do you think? Do you think, where are we going next? Are, are people going to figure out that, that your point of view? Or what's going to happen?
1: So I think we've made enormous progress in terms of shifting the window i really do think we did but i i think that it was a very odd thing that happened whereby there came a point where people stopped injecting themselves but i don't think they could articulate why they had stopped there was a sort of subconscious understanding that they weren't going to do that anymore but they weren't going to admit that it was because they'd made a mistake before or that these anti-vaxxer the types were right you know it was just a kind of ah no, thanks. yeah and and slowly having gone through that phase it feels like people are ready to start to try and understand things a little bit more but i don't know whether it's so hard to get a feel, isn't it of what
2: people yes. broadly
1: are thinking because because we're in our bubbles but so my kind of test people are relatives in my family, you know, my yes. family, and who I've sort of watched along the trajectory, who are definitely more willing to think at the moment. Mm. And then there's also things like comments on mainstream news yes. where it's shifted hugely. Mm. Any mention of a vaccine in the comments are all yeah. saying that they've got concerns and and that you know you shouldn't be continuing to spout nonsense about them, which is what seems the mainstream media seems to continue to do. Um, so you know, I think we have we have definitely made a difference. And there's this funny situation I feel like at the moment where having pulled that Overton window that mm. far, I feel like we need to just stop for a bit and right. and and just re you know retrench and get okay. everybody there and get them understanding where we've got to before we pull it any further, gotcha. because people are still pulling it and and the further you go you still feel like you're never going to actually meet these people you're constantly running away with the window
0: dude you're right like one of the things that i find is um and basically if i was to sit down and try to explain to someone who doesn't think any of this what i believe is actually going on in the world and how bad i think the people running the world are they would never believe me because the, the tricks that i believe these people pull is the stuff that they're trying to pull off is so crazy it's so nuts it's so bananas that no one is ever going to believe me no one is ever going to believe me if i sit down like one of my things is uh, fluoride in toothpaste right everyone brushes their teeth with fluoride because it strengthens your bones okay the principal ingredient in rat poison is sodium fluoride the principal ingredient okay so people think i'm a conspiracy theorist it's like i think you're brushing your teeth with rat poison like <laughs> you know so you think i'm nuts listen i think you're nuts but i'm never gonna try and convince people of this not because i don't think that you know it it's true but because i know what you're saying is correct that you know you've got to very slowly bring people around to you know um it's it's you can't just plunge them into narnia like no one wants to no. go in there you know no. and I, I think what you're saying is very interesting i've not heard anyone say that before that we need to entrench hit pause and then just sort of try and bring people along slowly
1: i mean i think there's a lot of people who if i said that to them would be really upset because they've got some issue that they're flag waving about Mm. that they think will get ignored or brushed under the carpet if it's not fought for and they might be right you know there is that sort of balance isn't there between well what point do we sort of declare a victory over something and and get everybody agreeing that that was actually the reality and at what point do we stop trying to reveal the whole story because you know i'm thinking about i'm thinking about the midazolam aspect of it right
0: oh i was going to ask you about that
1: yeah i didn't know whether that
0: was some wild theory or whether that's true
1: well, so I don't know either, right? I, I, right. I think that um, that you can argue it either way, and that people who um, are dying um, with respiratory distress, if they are definitely dying, then giving them a dazolam is a is a kind thing to do, and I would want it in that situation if I am dying. Right. The question is, how do you know when someone's dying? That's um. tricky. Um, And there's also other questions around how it was used and the quantities that were used. There are definitely questions, and I think it needs investigating. But I I, I do not want to see it demonised. And I think it could be that an investigation shows that it was used fairly sensibly at a time when a lot of people were dying of respiratory distress, when there wasn't much else on offer. Um, But it, it might be that what you'd find is that actually the distress that was being relieved was more the person administering it rather than the person who was have you know are ill because right. obviously you want to feel like you have helped your patient yeah. right? or your nursing home resident and they appear distressed to you when you give them this drug and they no longer seem distressed you know who's who who benefits most from that um the people around them or the person themselves and so you know i think it's important that we get to the bottom of that and understand how these drugs work and where where the line should be drawn
2: but it needs to
1: be discussed in a way that isn't filled with um finger pointing and and accusations of people having blood on their hands and and all of that aspect of it because it is definitely a gray area
0: and let me tell you my experience from the vaccine protest. When that direction is pushed by people, the general public just pull back completely. Yeah. You know, yeah. it was it was it was very badly organized in that sense. We got people screaming on a microphone at three o'clock in the afternoon, like "F Matt Hancock" and this. It's like, dude, I got a forty-year-old guy pushing his kid down the street. You honestly think he's at four o'clock in the afternoon? You honestly think he's like, oh, some guy is shouting "F Matt Hancock" at four p.m.? Like, oh, let, tell me more. Uh, you know what I mean? People just reviled that, you know, and then you get the whole Bill Gates thing. It's like, listen, I'm not saying Bill Gates is a good guy. Certainly not. But to the average person, when you start talking about, you know, Bill Gates and the world conspiracy, you lose people just because they've been conditioned that anything like that is is insane and you should you should stop listening. So again, I'm not saying that, that Bill Gates is a great guy, et cetera, et cetera, but I tend not to open with that when I'm dealing with someone who is you know normal yeah. for, for, for want of a better word
1: yeah. yeah I do know and I, I think it's quite helpful to try and think back to how you know before you I don't know when you woke mm. up but for when I woke up I was really skeptical about all the kind of Bill Gates stuff at the beginning of course that would t- completely turn me off and you know it took me it t- takes like six months to learn all of this stuff right and so you have to be aware of how you felt at the beginning about what what was could and couldn't be true and and
0: okay (laughs) mine was interesting in that i started doing stand-up comedy about food and i was telling people to eat apples and celery and, and i basically discovered that there's only two types of food essentially food that man didn't make that keeps you healthy and food that man did make and that kills you and i was i was putting that out there and this the comedy industry tried to just completely destroy me you know and it was like they was like, alastair williams hates fat people and it's like i'm telling people to eat apples i'm telling people you know yeah but, but i feel like that's when i realized that okay the world isn't doesn't work how i think it works i i was thinking that you know people are obese and unhealthy because no one's gotten them the information you know and then i was like hey here's the information eat apples and they were like shut this guy up you know this guy cannot be allowed like you know, one of the things I would say is if you see a food advertised on TV, don't eat it. Because I'm like, you never see an advert for like spinach. You, you know what I mean?
2: Like no
0: one works at spinach. So I thought, hey, this is great. And and the people who work in comedy were like, this guy can never get on the TV because he's going to tell people, don't buy what's on the advert. So just commercially, like, there's no way you're going on the TV and saying that. You know? So that's when my eyes were opened. And at such a basic level of just like. Telling people to eat really? apples got me in trouble.
1: Yeah, but, but that's just so I- insane. In that, like, and say that you were everywhere telling people to eat apples. Just mm. say that they've gone the other way. People are still going to eat all this shit anyway. True.
0: I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. But something I never see the government say is like, hey, why don't you plant a fruit tree in your garden? Why don't you go outside and get some sunshine? You know, during the whole pandemic, never, like, get some sun. You know, never... They're never telling people about prevention they're never telling people how to be healthy they're just saying be afraid lock yourself in your house you know here's an advert some green smoke coming in your window you know the virus is everywhere pretend like you have it was the one that got me pretend like you have it i was like guys come on this is really 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 mean you know
1: it it was so wrong and you know what you were saying earlier on about your own risk and you're judging it And you are right. And everybody was right at around January 2021. People had a pretty good idea about what their own risk was. And the government set out deliberately to change their perception of their personal risk. They said, black and white, we're going to change how people perceive their personal risk from this thing. They did that very effectively with all their scare propaganda. And then people could no longer give informed consent because they had this wrong belief about their risk.
0: That is, but when, this is what I'm telling you. When, when I look at things like that, and then I, I look at things like that, it's like the government went out, and it's in their documents. They're like, we need people to be really afraid so they do what we tell them to do. And it's like, you're telling them to take this basically untested, I mean, untested in that. I always tell people, look, it's COVID-19, okay? It's It's a vaccine for COVID-19. So it turned up in 2019. I'm like, what happens five years after you take it? Can you possibly tell me? Bearing in mind, you did, this thing didn't exist until 2020, supposedly. So how can you possibly know? Can, are you okay to have children after you have this thing? How, what are the studies on if you can have children after you take this, when they're five years old? There can't possibly be any of that information because by their own admission, this thing was cooked up in 2020. So you can't possibly have long-term data. So at the most, you're, and then you're telling 10-year-olds to take it who've got to live the rest of their life.
1: We've got, um, the MHRA have gone right down to six months olds. And they know they've done that in Europe. I mean, it's absolutely insane. At every point when it went down the age groups, me and everyone I knew were just like, well, I mean, it can't get any worse than this. (laughs)
0: this (laughs) Six months. (laughs) Yeah. Listen, as a new parent, when my child was born, I had to bat away so many needles coming at her from the second she's born they're like we need to give her this vitamin K injection like i'm like listen there's no chance anybody is is injecting this newborn baby with with anything just because i happen to believe that that we are something incredible that human beings are something incredible that there's there's an incredible designer to human beings so when you tell me that oh man needs to get involved and just quickly change this newborn baby because Whatever created this newborn baby is so—it's so much worse than us. We're so much cleverer than the design of a human being. You know, I, I can't go along with it. I don't prescribe to that, and I certainly don't prescribe to letting Pfizer be in charge of what goes into my child. Where most people have no idea about the history of Pfizer. They think there's some magnificent company that's so nice it's like they are statistically the most criminal company in the world like they own the largest criminal fine ever on record for any company and and I'm the nutcase (laughs) because I don't trust them you know what I mean Mm
1: -hmm. yeah I I do know what you mean and around the Mm -hmm. vaccines and the vitamin k injection you know I would say that there is this risk that because of the way this has been handled, people have lost trust, all trust. It's all gone. And, and, you know, for the people that think all of this stuff works, they should be backpedaling as fast as they can to regain Mm. that trust and to get, you know, because if they really think your baby needs all that stuff, you're not the only one that's speaking like this. You're not the only one that has completely abandoned all faith in the medical profession. Um, And That's not happened. Like, you know, why aren't the medical profession saying, Look, you know, we've made mistakes here and we're sorry and, and don't give up on everything. But they're not even saying that. Yeah, that's you, know that that's you know the
0: answer to that, Claire. You know the answer to that,
1: Claire. Well, part of it is that they don't speak.
0: Right. Well, what do you tell me? You tell me I've lost all my income. I'm surprised they let you still be a doctor. I'm surprised they let you still wear oh, a lab well, coat. I
1: mean, that, that's not being straightforward. I've been under investigation for the whole time. But that's part of the punishment is that you're constantly of under investigation.
0: Of course. I can barely perform anywhere. You know, I am almost no opportunities to, to, to do comedy anymore because, you know, the comedy is as policed as medicine. It sounds wild to say that, but it really is. And it's not just us, you know, so many different professions reach out to me and say, you know, I, I'm in danger of losing everything for saying that there's something wrong here. And that is, I keep coming back to it. That's the number one thing that makes me think that something's not right here is genuine concerned people that say, I think there might be something up here. The punishment that's meted out to them is so intense that it's just malevolent. Yeah. There's no other way to describe it. It's it really is just just mean to the point of I feel like I'm being made an example of so yeah. that no one else. I'm sure you feel the same. Didn't some people like hack into your group or yeah. something that worked okay. for the government?
1: Well, so the government paid this company. Logically AI, which was set up ah. by a 22-year-old in 2017, and he's still the only um, named shareholder that is a director. Mm-hmm. And um, they paid him over a million pounds, and then we got hacked into. And the next day, Logically AI have posted all of the hacking stuff all over the place from our private conversations in a group where you know we're discussing stuff that at the time was really controversial um and that caused harm to people's careers all of that and you know caused me to be investigated by the gmc caused other people to be investigated by by their professional regulators um and caused you know employers were pulling people up as well and and when you actually read what logically i were calling us out for in their article i mean they were a little bit individually you you know the the overall pitch of their piece was these people don't believe in masks these people think lockdowns don't work. And you think it's just looking back at it now, it's really is laughable. That's where you know everyone is now. But at the time, saying those things was a scandalous thing to Oh get. yeah.
0: Oh yeah, I, I lost my YouTube channel for saying stuff that is now widely admitted to being the case. Yeah. You know, if, if you're if you're ahead of the curve, so to speak, then you get you, you know, the actual conditions for YouTube now is you have to agree with what the World Health Organization says otherwise it's it's medical misinformation yeah. it's like I don't trust the World Health Organization at all you know no. if you look in the background of, of the guy that runs the whole thing you know yeah. the guy is closer to a terrorist than he, than he is to a to a doctor you know he covered up cholera epidemics and all this all this kind of crazy stuff so I don't want to go down this whole rabbit hole because no, you know,
1: no, but I completely agree the who was set up, if you read their constitution, it's like it was set up by people who were so trusting that how could a health organization ever be anything but completely benign? And so it's got structures within it that are really badly worded, such that the, the Director General can just basically dictate everything that happens and overall everybody, like, well, who came up with that as a plan? It was probably the UK actually after the war, You know, it was probably partly us, but it was a really badly worded. So, um, like-
0: their logo is a picture of the world with a target over it and a serpent. You know, and I tell people this and they're like, oh, it's just the Greek symbol from I'm like, yeah, there's always a reason. There's always a reason why there's a giant bullseye on the world with a snake. You know, it's like, oh, sure, 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 sure. Oh yeah, and that's uh, naturally. Why wouldn't, if you talk about health, you think about targets and snakes.
1: Yeah, of course,
0: um,
1: listen. Uh, yeah. So one last thing, I think one of the things that's really harmful is people have forgotten what a democracy is so in a democracy people get to say everything anything they get to question all of it and you get to hear all the voices and the reason we have that is because that's our error correction mechanism that's how it works and we deliver well not we they have deliberately broken all of the error correction mechanisms and so of course things have gone completely haywire
0: yeah but but by design like i remember during the pandemic I was thinking where is the person that, that I can vote for that says that these lockdowns are nuts and, and you know what I mean there was no opposition and the media as well the government come out and say right you're not allowed to leave your home you're not allowed to see your grandmother and then the media would just be like well it, is this far enough like you know <laughs> we're always questioning like shouldn't you have done more like oh thank you warrior for truth and justice can yeah. you lock them down more prime ministers is outrageous you know I I lost my faith in in them as the media you know the government i can't see any person in government that represents me anymore you know it's not just the medical establishment that i'm disillusioned with it's you know it's almost almost yeah. the whole thing
1: yeah i mean Andrew has said that there are mps who get it and they won't say anything what good is that
0: you're supposed you're elected to say something dude it's literally directly your job because yeah. all you have to do is say, like, hey, some of my constituents don't like the idea of being forced into having a medical procedure, which, by the way, is completely illegal, isn't it? Oh, totally. Co- t- isn't that against like the Nuremberg Code? You can't force someone to have an experimental medical procedure?
1: And against or- the bioethics and human rights, um, um, international law, and against, yeah, yeah, it's it's it was very, very well accepted that... You have bodily autonomy. That, that's what the basis of all Western law is. You have bodily autonomy. You <sighs> don't get forced into anything.
0: But before we go, Claire, what is there any chance of justice for any of this? Is there any? Do you see anything on the horizon? Is anyone going to be in trouble for this? Is that you know? Is any of that visible to you? Is there any sort of investigation coming? Is there any? Is there anyone out there anymore that's sort of enforcing the law? Is
1: any of that still available to us? So I don't think that. There is at the moment. I'm sorry, I just don't think there is. I think the judges um, are not able to do that. They, they just. I don't think the judges are our way out at the moment. But we need to have political right. change. That's it. It's a long game this, and and you know I think what the Together campaign are doing is amazing, and right. the, the work they're doing on 15 um, minute cities. You know the freedom fines all of that is really important. And you might think it's well, you know, you might support them because it seems sensible, but actually yeah. supporting them on that is about building up a bottom up political movement. Oh yeah. And and we need that.
0: Oh, the 15 minute cities is a uh, little It's a line in the sand. It's like, if mm. someone's gonna be able to tell you that you can't go to the other side of the town where you live, like you need permission. And they're trying to, who who asked for this? In what world did someone like, oh, please, please stop preventing me from freely moving around the the town that I live in? You know what I mean? How are you selling that to me? Like, this is in my best interest, you know? This is what I'm telling you, Claire. It really does all sort of meld in together. It's not just have this, you must have this injection. It's also, you can't leave your house, you know? It's also, you can't heat your home. It's also, you can't afford to eat food. It's also, eat bugs. It's also, you know what I mean? It's I do a, know what
1: you
2: mean. It's a
1: complete loss of respect for people as, as sort of divine people with their own integrity and dignity. That's gone. You're just a, a blog. That's
0: well. It's coming back, Claire. Do. It's coming back. Right. How can people support you? Where can they find this book?
1: Oh, I haven't made the website yet, but hopefully, follow me on. Get Twitch. on with that, Claire. I will. I will put it there.
0: Okay. Will you Will you come back when it's launched?
1: Yes. Will you come I mean, back and talk to us yes. again,
0: and we'll we'll make sure that we buy at least a thousand copies, because <laughs> you you must be supported, Claire. You must be supported. More people must must know about you and what you're up to, and we must make sure that happens. Um, listen, thank you so much for coming on. This has been so much fun. I really, I think we've learned a lot as well. You know, I think people are better armed now, how to explain what's going on using science and data and numbers, not just the nonsense that I'm spouting. So um, yes. Um, Thank you very much. Uh, if anyone wants to find your work, what's the best place for them to go?
1: So come to the Heart website heartgroup.org or Claire Craig Path on Twitter. Wonderful. Okay. Um,
0: Dr. Claire Craig, thank you very much for being with us and yeah. See you guys all next time. Bye. Thanks
2: for having me.